Welcome to the Church of Pantan podcast, the premier Battle Spirits talk show. May the cores be our saviors. I'm a spirit, your head of ceremony, and as usual, I'm joined by my apostles, by my apostles, <laughs> Cosmic and John. Cos, how are we doing this week? Doing pretty good. It's a, a very short week, hopping between events, but uh, excited to rest up a little bit and then get ready to cast this weekend. True, true. And actually, on a fem- very similar vein, John, how are you doing this week? I am doing great. I just got done casting. So it's now gonna pass the baton over the cause. Who passed it to me before that? And you know, we'll just go back and forth for a while. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> see how it plays out. So actually we're we can kind of jump into that. Our topics today will be uh pretty simple, you know, Grand Open Atlanta. Uh, we all had very uh, different experiences in terms of how that all went through. So we can talk about that. Then we'll jump into the Pro Tour, which is actually this coming weekend. Uh, then we'll be touching what's that card art. Uh, and then from there, we'll be talking about BSSO4. There's been a couple of leaks, a couple of spoilers, a couple of things coming through. So we'll be having discussions around that, which uh, is looking to be like a very cool set. Um, for our visual watchers here, unfortunately, I did not bring my webcam with me as I'm currently chilling in Portland. So unfortunately, you'll have to enjoy my profile pic for now. Um, but to kick it off, John, like you were saying, you had casted. And how'd you find it? I mean, I know you had talked about before how you had done yeah. some casting before. But, you know, now on this Battle Spirit side, how was it? I, I loved it. You know, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I got to really watch Battle Spirits played at pretty much every skill level. And it was really fun to really follow the plays, see how people play, um, just call the games. Uh, you know, I had, I felt like pretty great, you know, synergy there with Emmy. You know, it was a lot of fun to really break down the games with them and, you know, from what I could tell from chat and just the you know Discord and Facebook, people seem to really like it. So that's all that I really care about is you know they they all enjoyed it, and you know that that makes me happy. But I I had a really good time doing it, honestly. Nice, nice. Um, so you know I I've casted for a, a while now, and like ha- tell me how frustrating is it see watching people throw their match away. <laughs> <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> It was, uh, so, you know, I, I always expect people to not play perfectly. I mean, that's silly yeah. to think that people are just going to play perfect, but you don't realize how many small mistakes add up and how many small mistakes people make until you have perfect information and watch the game. And it's like, there were some people, you know, and I mean, I'll just throw a cause under the bus because he's right that's here, fine. but I know you're you know, going. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like, you just want to grab them by the shoulders and shake them. It's like, why are you doing this? But, uh, you know, it's, it's infuriating, but at the same time, it's actually really cool to see that, you know, Mm. know, that, that nobody's perfect. And even watching like my own teammates play in the top guy, like Colin and Alex, it's like, I know you guys know these plays. Why are you doing this? And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, you know, it's fun. It's cool. But yes, I mean, at the same time, like you mentioned, it is also <laughs> just infuriating. Yeah, I mean, I think it just goes to show that like there is that level of pressure. Um, you know, it's oh, for sure. It, it, it's something that goes untalked about enough, but it's just like when, the, you know, when you go up against someone who's like consistently like a day two performer, right? There is that level of edge that they have because they can manage those, you know, top cut end of tournament Swiss nerves a lot better because they've been there before or they're just used to it. So it's something that you see like time and time again. Um, but to that sense, I mean, I think you guys also did a pretty good job in terms of like diversifying the kinds of decks that you saw that day. I mean, that was a pretty cool tournament in terms of like people bringing different things. Was there, did you have like a, a favorite kind of either 
uh, moment or or kind of deck and kind of how it played out during any of your rounds or uh not really i mean as far as like the diversity goes um they you know george and and the stream team uh first of all they did a great job with production i mean that was really clean um, but they mm. kind of gave us free reign on just picking stream matches you know they trusted us to make it entertaining uh fill all the time that we had trying to try not to pick too many like fast rounds um so i think we did a pretty good job with that uh, as far as like decks we saw uh round one i really enjoyed um you know i know that jesse smith i think he only ended up on five and three or something but his deck was really cool so i was happy to see that uh and then later in the event i think it was the last round we got to see aaron michael who made top cut uh and that red coal main deck which mm. was a favorite of mine i i love that deck i thought it was really cool to see um you know causes deck i liked a lot um you know i think a lot of the decks that we saw were all really entertaining like we really tried to cut down on like here's red versus yellow like right every round. yeah and uh, you know so you know i think we did great you know with that and uh, you know try to make for an entertaining stream but every round i mean i like the decks that we all featured so it was fun yeah, no, I think you guys did a really solid there. And actually, good point. I mean, yeah, we saw Cause on stream. Uh, we saw him play some Golem tokens. Or, or no, wait, we didn't see him play Golem tokens because <laughs> that's not the deck he played. But regardless, he still made no. D2. Actually made fourth place in Swiss round. So if it were, if were, even if we weren't even at a top cut, which causes like only way I'm getting into day two is if top cut. You still would have made top cut if it was top eight, buddy. So uh, what did you end up playing this weekend, dude? Yeah, so I did the uh, the classic. It's the midnight before the event. I just want something else. I hate everything. So uh, shout out to Andy. He gave me his list that he's been working on. Um, and a lot of people were apparently giving him a hard time about. But it is the uh, don't call it six, you know five color because of the flood stream and the sideboard, but five color smag. And this is a list you know that really came out of the uh, Brisbane event. You know the big ticks boys. Shout out to them for the list. Um, but as we've been kind of taking this multicolored deck approach, you know, going from K at the pro tour, which I played now into smag, it really lends itself. Once you sit down to play it, you know, on paper, it's, Hey, here's a bunch of dumb ramp idiots. Here's your top end with curse combo and elephant go from there. Right. But smag actually lends itself very well to one, obviously Beldegor that's in the deck as well and giving that stabilization. But when you start to look at the individual pieces of the deck itself, uh, Dream Bomb, two white pips. Floodstream, two blue pips. Uh, Forest Guardian, two green pips, right? So when you have those smags on board, actually it just smooths out everything else that you can do in the deck. So it is actually like the key enabler. Like, yes, you at some t games you just ramp a billion cores and it doesn't matter. But I found myself so many times where I was just like, wow, having two smag on the board is actually insane for what it allows this turn to then turn into. And I got to say my favorite play of the uh, weekend, which I didn't even realize until like, I think it was round two, because like I was rereading the deck, because again, literally zero games the night before. I just picked it up, played it on a whim, went 7-1. So, whew, thank you, Andy, for a good list. But uh, Smag makes, or Derm Dyna makes Smag unblockable. So I was winning games with like, oh, by the way, here's two unblockable Smags and a Derm. Deal with this, because the deck plays no Nexus, but spoiler, your opponent always will. So it was just a fun list. It does play in that similar vein of K, where it's like, you just want to core starve your opponent, make sure that they can't get ahead, you know, gum up the board as much as you can. K wants to do it with the Cheerios or the Elementals, right? The zero cost, because you get them back that way. The Smag deck is going to do with Forest Guardian because being AK and tapping down their board is 
pretty insane it turns out and then you, they just naturally have to play into either your curse combo or just aggroing them out with the elephants because a 10k attacker is still pretty good so um i love the list i do think it needs to have some spell adjustments and sideboard adjustments but it's like no one really knew what the field was going to be after this you know month-long break we had but um deck was legit if i was playing uh the pro tour this weekend i'd probably I don't know how many cards I would actually change up to just like throw a number like at probably 10 at least just because of, you know, what we saw this past weekend, a lot of aggro, you know, Floodstream probably has to come main deck now, things of that nature. Um, and then just some other cyborg considerations. And I got to say, like, the vanilla was the worst card. And yes, I did play against yellow three different times, but my God, did I hate seeing that vanilla. And I honest to goodness believe you just take it out going forward. But um, we'll see. The list was a ton of fun and I had a great time. Yeah, uh, you know, you're... Your list, when I saw it, I thought it was a really good meta call because, uh, you know, the way that it kind of played out is Curse Dragon and Baculus. Like the Curse combo right now is actually back to being really, re you know, uh, pretty relevant again. Um, you know, we did see some uh, like uh, all index, like the white aggro and the red aggro. Um, but that being said, I think overall, the curse combo is really good against the red decks right now. It's really good against the yellow decks. Obviously it's very good against the white decks. Um, it's just a good place to be. So, you know, I don't know how many times you won games because you curse comboed, but that, that is like one of the best things you could be doing right now. And, you know, I think that it was a really good call. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm glad that you did well and you know, you, you definitely uh, deserve it. So well done. Thank you. Nice to finally get the day two, you know, on the on the board because this is my last event for the year. Because then again, it's Pro Tour, which I'm casting, and then Worlds, which who knows what's going on. I, I I honest to goodness do not know. I can't even give any spoilers of like, hey, look forward to whatever. Like, no idea what's going on with Worlds. So, um, may or may not be casting it. Stay tuned. <laughs> with the you know, you're talking about potentially like a ten card sub out. Uh, can I convince you to make four smogs within that ten card cut, or is he staying in the deck? <laughs> no, I like honest to goodness, like I was like memeing a little bit about like, oh, it's Smag, Smag's doing Smag things, and I'm like, oh shit, no, he's actually like really important for this deck. And I think it also lends itself well to, you know, once a card pool gets deeper, once we see some of those like hard splash cards where it's like you only get two pips, but then you have like the ramp for the other half of it, Smag lends himself really well to that. So yeah. I'm curious to see where that ends up with the uh, you know, the the double symbol cards that we have, but like even things like you know, you have a board of Beldegor, Smag, something, and then it's like, oh, I can now cast this Black Lance for a lot cheaper, and that just felt, you know, game-winning at times. Smag stays. You heard it here first. Uh, okay, okay. And and we don't care about Star Bliss, right? Because, like, this deck has, like, like 20 on summons. Yeah, so the thing I learned very quickly um, is that, yes, you are going... And, like, people, you know, got to trigger Star Bliss on me all bloody weekend. Like, they paid, they paid the cost, they got to draw all the cards, but... Because the way the deck works that you core starve them until, you know, turn 10 or like wherever it ends up being like, cool, you got all those cards. You can't do shit all with them because I didn't give you extra cores and you're not a green deck. So, yes, obviously the argument is like, oh, but they're going to see more ice shields and stuff like that. But there was matches where against like all my yellow decks I played against like, oh, I went up to nine life and, you know, I just had this all these different draw engines. And you go, OK, that's cool and all, but it's going to come a point where I just build my board curse dragon you and i'm going to check you and kill you in two turns if you don't have the ice shield so it it plays out very differently than i expected going into it mm. yeah I, th I think it's i think it almost kind of falls into that same idea of like 
when purple pivoted to using black lands and you realize like, yeah, you know what? I don't care that you're drawing cards because I'm just like consistently getting so much value from my unsummons that like, I, I, I think it almost comes down to a world where you kind of have to like, you're either playing the attrition game where you can't afford to give your opponent any cards or you're just playing the value game and being like, my value, my top end is like just so much better that I don't care that you draw cards. Which to be fair, when we're talking about things like the curse combo, like, yeah, I don't care if you have like, you know, five, six, seven cards on board. If you do that, I'm going to wipe board wipe you. And if not, then I'm just going to elephant out tempo you by, at some point or another. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's you know right on point. And I think you know, speaking of the curse combo, that's really funny. I I mentioned Kaz's throw earlier, and I think uh, you know I'm sure that you you know by now, but it's probably because you uh, you know were a little too anxious with that curse combo. Yeah, Cyan Day on stream, but uh, I don't know if people notice it either, but like. I couldn't fucking stand that. I don't know who they were, but someone kept walking around me, and that's why you kept like seeing me looking like this. Oh, really? Because no, there was a person that kept walking by the table, and like <laughs> I didn't want to say anything because they were clearly like I think they're the, one of the people running the stream. But for when yeah. the for whenever it's on YouTube, you can go look at me like looking off to the side nonstop. So yeah, shout out <laughs> to that. But you know, it's uh, I didn't realize there was face cameras on, so now I'm curious. To go back <laughs> yeah, how many times I ended up looking. <laughs> I, I didn't notice like the face cameras all day you know because like the way that they had the stream set up like internally like on on our sides like my camera was like up in the top left corner covering one and the other one was over here so like yep. i didn't see it all day but that's funny that you mentioned it i'll have to go back and watch but uh you know speaking of your future match you know i thought you played well um it, it sucks to lose the way you did i mean i don't know you know, spoiler alert for people, you know, watching it later. Cause lost in time due to a uh, double counter sword. So, oh, yeah, I, I forgot he told me about that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was brutal. You were going to win 99 times out of 100. And it's just like the way that the game played out, like his hand was just like ice shield, two counter swords. And I'm just like, as soon as I saw that, there was like maybe two minutes left in the round. And I'm like, Cause is going to lose this game exactly like this. And it yep. happened and I felt sick. But what was, was worse like, is my hand was like double manticle. Flex it was crazy. And I'm like, wow, I actually have like the, like knowing yeah. he wants to stall out because he told me he went up to 60. We know him as a player. We know the end of the match shenanigans. It is what it is. And I'm like, wow, I, I actually have a game winning hand here. I can get him low enough. And then the flood stream protects me. And then yeah. he actually had the exhaust nexus exactly as well. I'm like, I'm sorry. So your perfect hand was exactly exhaust nexus, double counter sword, absolute ice shield. He did not follow it, if I remember correctly. I'm like, yeah. what? What is this like that he kept on it? Right. And he still had Ervatot and whatever the other two drop was, Freeze Tall. As time, I'm like, bro, you just had the God Seven opener. Like, I can't, I can't do anything here. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of your matches, your top eight match was against Rex, right? Or 16, but yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. T top 16. And you, you, course you lost was it 2-1 is that no nah, it was a heartbreaker so game one um god it was like double curse dragon irrelevant top end card something i'm like all right i got a mulligan i guess like i can't just do nothing into his deck for the like the first three turns spoiler i mulligan do nothing for the first three turns because like yes. i just hit all six and i'm like all right well game one is pretty miserable anyways like you got like we just it is what it is lost it going to game two um actually got to set up a really sick like very aggressive early opener had double smog into germ dyna pushed him to one and he went in the tank on it and found uh you know like storm 
It was like strong draw into exactly what he needed to Derm Dyna and two attackers <clears throat> and just Derm Dyna me back before I could do anything. And the problem is I made a mistake early on because I set the wrong card in my burst because I was trying to activate Smag and I had Absolute Ice Shield, Dream Bomb, and Star Blast. So I ended up just burning an Absolute Ice Shield and then didn't see another one in the next like 15 cards or whatever it ended up being, or 10 cards probably because it was not that many turns later, but I did draw. So part misplay, but also if I would have kept the Ice Shield, there was a turn where uh, he was Elephant aggroing me out. So then I wouldn't have had the Dream Bomb to bounce the Elephant, which would then have let me get the one, get him down to one to set up the Derm Dyna play. So I think I was like losing it either way, but to like mill, the, like set the wrong card, then mill the Ice Shield. And I'm like, all right, probably should have like got rid of the Star Bless, I think is what it was instead. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I just wanted to play the Smag. And it's so interesting because when we were playing in Swiss, he milled me out. So like in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to draw too much because he's just going to mill me out. But then I need to draw a card so I can still find like my absolute ice shield and stuff. So it's this weird game where like you have to constantly remember how many cards you have left in deck and then go, okay, is this two Mandela? How many Star Bless can I play before I'm in the two Mandela range? And I just like blanked. Uh, I didn't look at the sideboard between um, games either to like remind myself of the Derm Dyna. So I literally just forgot about Derm Dyna as well. So this is 100% on me, just like super inexperienced with day two and Battle Spirits side of things where it's like I didn't study and prepare properly for that match. But um, I will say out of all the games that I played that weekend, it was my favorite match. And it's like one thing I want to like play again, just like go through the matchup because both decks have so many different angles that you can attack through where it's not just like oh yellow has genbu then you have unblockable right like both my deck and his deck have alternate ways or alternate paths to victory that aren't just like here's my key spirit win so shout out to those guys um what was it called the mondango list or whatever yeah. uh, mandela yeah. dango list uh super sick i love that list obviously they they withheld my husband from me i'm a little bit upset about <laughs> that but it's all good at the end of the day we still got the uh the top 16 yeah. walked away with a little bit of money. So, in, you know, so do you hard. think if, okay, so you got, you mentioned that you got uh, milled out one game or, you know, two or whatever. Um, do you ever consider at that point, say you get milled out game one, do you ever just like think about jamming all 10 cards from your sideboard right into your deck? I did six, I think is what it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, because as I was like studying his list, I realized that because they're so spirit light, like spirit light, floodstream where you would in other games never want to bring it in against like white control traditionally because of the other removal packages and stuff we had like floodstream was a very good card and it almost won me game two because i floodstreamed his sheriff eagle so it's one of yeah. those things where you're bringing in a couple extra cards like okay i want to protect against my first star blast and uh, like that right out right where at the same time is i at least want to see one of these floodstreams so it's going to be important and if he mills one it's whatever so there's a couple cards like that so it was like what the the third um Three Derm Dyna, the Dream Bomb, and three Floodstream, so seven. And I took out like one Beldegore because there was three originally and yeah. something. I, f I forget what it was, but like the rest of it was just playable good stuff to, to how to navigate that matchup. So maybe I should have brought in all of them, but then that's like that I have Sheriff Eagles and that's awkward in that matchup in particular. Yeah. I need to be more aggressive. So yeah, I mean, you know, I was just curious like what the line is there or game plan is if you have a slower you know deck versus like a mill deck it's like you just like ah eh, screw it just jam all 10 in or you keep 50 but you know so that was just an interesting thought but you know you made top 16 uh george how how was your event well you see i didn't go to the tournament so <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Got stuck no. at home on a missed the flight. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, unfortunately, it was a very tough tournament. For me. Um, this was actually the out of the last four tournaments I've been to. This was the third tournament where my round one is a team. Um, so I've been testing. Yeah. I've been testing with uh, Anthony for the past few weeks now. Um, Anthony, Caleb, and the boys. And um, last minute, I decided to pivot off of the Mandango. Not that I didn't like it. Um, but I kind of landed on like this blue red list that I really enjoyed. And I'm like, okay, well, if the logic we're going into this is that we're trying to hedge against red and yellow, well, then there are, you know, there's some very neat and specific cards within the red and blue shell that can really kind of punish that, right? So it's like, um, if you look at King Randolph, King Randolph is either like the worst card in the game or like one of the best cards in the game. And right now, there are so many decks that are pushing so many threes to kind of prevent the two for one from flood. That it actually, like, constantly in testing, I'm hitting two-for-ones, I'm hitting three-for-ones, because people are like, you know, Dino, Eagle, Eagle, or whatever. Or just kind of like any kind of variation on that, you know, Hippo with a couple of other bodies. Um, and that's what kind of, and at first it started off as a mono-blue list, and then it kind of converged into this red-blue red list where I'm like, okay, well, you know, we can run, if we're, Camellia Whip's really good in that kind of a list, and if we're already on Camellia Whip plus a Block Golem, a Whirlpool sometimes, not often, but sometimes you can just, like, have a 20k Chameleon, and then they actually can't attack that turn, you know? Um, uh, Apollo is really good because if Randolph and all those the blue cards like Flood and so on are taking care of their five or less, Apollo is what allows you to be able to get like out a uh, Andromeda or, or anything beyond. And then at the very top end, it's like okay, well then how do we deal with Genbu's and then how do we deal with King Dragnos? And like okay, Allegro, right? And like it's it just the blue red list kind of. I honestly, as as bad before, I ended up going one four drop. Um, and to be honest, a part of that is kind of the Swiss roulette. I didn't play any of the matchups I wanted to. Um, I played against two white... Con the only matchup that I ended up taking was uh, against Snakes. Uh, and then otherwise, I played against, like, essentially two white control lists. Um, and then, like, a Nova list. So it's just, like, a bunch of six-drop pluses, which, like, I can't really deal with that until I get a leg route. Yeah. So, so it's just, like, unfortunately, I didn't see the matchups I wanted to. But nevertheless, I still like the notion of the deck because it kind of hits, like, every point... Um, of the game where it's like early if they turbo out three drops you can actually get King Randolph out on two guaranteed going second um, or if they hit you once you can get out or if they hit you on their turn one you can get on your turn two um, which is like a pretty big tempo swing if they decide to do that so the deck is pretty sweet I think it plays really well it plays some of the best red cards plus you play just the good blue cards um, and you actually get reductions on your things like your floods and stuff like that which means you're able to go wider um, and it turns out you don't need that many mill pieces. I think at the end we ended up, I ended up with like eight cards that specifically have crush, and then two sabitos, um, which sabito did a ton of work this tournament. Like it is, it is, it is insane how much value you can get from that. So you know, I, I think when you're within the ten cards that are able to force your opponents after mill, plus you have like so many decks like are canyon decks, so they're just pitching yourself. So you know, over the span of like three, four turns, they kind of get there themselves. Um, so I, I like the deck. Surprisingly, when I when I ran it, a lot of people like I heard Blandon tell me that he had considered running it. Um, I know Emmy had mentioned that it was something that he was potentially looking at stuff like that. So I, it's nice to know that I was kind of in the same ballpark, and I like the cards a lot. Um, so it, it's kind of tough to kind of walk into that and being like, was my deck choice wrong? Did I just? But a hundred percent, I was on tilt. By the time I was done with round one, I was just such in a headspace of like, bro, I'm cursed. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that rough. is just. 
Yeah, so because it was uh, Anthony specifically for two tournaments, and then Cause for the Pro Tour. And Cause, um, yeah. and, it, and Dude, it's that's yeah. that's so crazy, Look, man. I'm not playing the Pro Tour. It's okay. I like. I thought I was a teammate magnet. Like I play like Valentino or someone from our team like every event. But like you're just like round one or right off the rip like every event, and it's it's crazy. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Happening. I wouldn't even care that much because it's bound to happen, right? I just hate that it's round one every goddamn time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the worst. Um, Rex yeah, and I are lucky like, the yeah, because the last round of Swiss. No matter what, it's like you're feeling bad, right? Because if you win, you're pissed because now one of your boys is zero and one, and if and if mm. you lose, you're pissed because you're zero and one. It's like yep. it's that, that's just the worst feeling, and I feel bad. And yeah, you it's... know I. I, I saw that pairing and I'm just I, I just shook my head. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and then even like some of the guys knew that like it was bad for me, but didn't realize that it was round one every single time it happens. It's like, yeah. And it's it doesn't help that like I tend to have a tendency to do the like play a different deck day of the event than we were kind of all practicing. Um and it always lines up really badly. So like you know, I helped push cause towards the K deck which was meant to beat red and I was playing red. So that was sick. That was very cool. Um, yeah. You know, they're playing the white go big, don't care what you do deck. And like my deck just does not do anything against go big decks. So it's, it's this unfortunate position where I'm just kind of lining up for a really bad round one, but hopefully, hopefully that's just getting out of the way. So I don't face anybody at the pro tour. Yeah. <laughs> but, and um, the worlds, right? Yeah. I know worlds. Yeah. But like, that's, I made a realization and like round three or round four, I sit down for my round and I look to my left don't see anybody I know. Turn to the right. Don't see anybody. Around. And then I'm like, oh, this is how you know you're in the gulag. When you look around you and there isn't a single name you can recognize. <laughs> yeah. 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 We uh, call that the shadow realm. That's yeah. yeah, that's yeah that's, you know, <laughs> that was me at, uh, was at uh, Tulsa. I was in the shadow realm of Tulsa. And it was, uh, you know, like you said, that's when you go look to your left to say hi to your boy or look to your right to see how your friend's doing. And like all of a sudden, it's just like, people that are at, at their first event ever or so, you know someone who learned a game two weeks ago and you're just like okay not having a good day dude i'm telling you so i'm one three at this point right i feel deflated i'm like great now i'm just playing for top 32 i'm playing for 200 bucks and like don't get me wrong 200 bucks is you know much better than nothing but at that point i'm so deflated and then i sit down and then my opponent comes and sit down and he's like, do you think we Star Dragon players read our cards? And I'm like, God damn it, I'm about to fucking lose. <laughs> the moment that happened, I'm like, I'm about to take it out to this. <laughs> yep. Man, oh I, I I've been there, man. That too. So, sometimes you just lose the Swiss roulette. And that was like me and Tulsa, dude. Like every round it's like all right i i hope i play against this deck and every round it's like play against the exact opposite and you're just like it's like all right yep. this is how it's going uh but yeah i mean that that sucks but you mentioned you played against some uh white uh control decks and that's a pretty good segue into like the prevalence of white at this event like white at at this event had an insane conversion rate like there wasn't that many white and like i think there was probably six or seven in the top 16 and uh you know that was a pretty big surprise for me especially like the like all in set two decks that we saw with like the ducks and the swans and stuff there were two of them in the top 16 and that's just that was crazy to me like you know what do you guys think about that 
I think it goes all the way back to when reveals were coming out. Um, and we talked a lot about Floodstream, right? And Floodstream is going to be the check for the meta. And as we saw in the last couple of Grand Open events, people either had one or like one main or none, and possibly none in the sideboard as well. And it's something that we've talked about for quite a while. So part of me is not surprised to see it. Um, again, I think Red Aggro is kind of like the big surprise for a lot of us, but it follows that same, same mentality where it's like, you just have a lot of cheap spirits. And, you know, again, shout out to the Red Aggro deck because you have Camellia Whip plus Power Boost, which is like the deck doesn't have Ice Shield, but it kind of does actually have Ice Shield in that way. Yeah. Um, and the Dragno Guard tech was super spicy, but uh, Power Boost has just been a fun... Uh, uh, a card I've really liked, and it's it was really cool to see a deck utilize that. But I think this lends us to okay, we had this big event, you know, second largest grand open ever. Aggro was everywhere, and I have to imagine, as I mentioned, you know, a few minutes moments ago, Floodstream it has to come back. It just has to for the Pro Tour. I think there's something to say also that like everyone's saying like, oh, aggro's bad because we have Flood and this and that. And while I think a lot of that is true, especially just Camellia Whip, like, exists already something aggro. But I think there's something to say that, like, you need to see it. And sometimes aggro decks yep. are just going to get there, right? Like, we saw Anthony get skewered on stream against white aggro. and But, like, both games he was in a position where, like, he actually just needed one defensive spell to get there, right? Uh, game yeah. two, he brought in four Floods. He just needed to see Flood literally one time. Um, and then in game one, he almost completely stabilized. He just needed an Infinity Shield. Like, one Infinity Shield, and he was completely set. Right? But aggro doesn't give you the time. And I think that's the thing that, like, unfortunately, you can take in for it. But a pilot that's running hot on aggro is very hard to beat for because, you know, maybe does And I think, like we said, we're in a position where it's so iffy blood because it's like everyone's running three, so it's still good, but it never really for one. So how many do you include? Um, so it's it's very interesting to kind of decide on how much you respect aggro because, like John was saying, we're seeing white take a huge dominance now. White control just finished second place. Um, it, shout out to Steve because it also placed well in Liverpool. So now it's just like how much you respect white. And the more that we respect aggro, the better white does because Flood, outside of getting rid of a couple of eagles, depending on if they're on it, absolutely nothing, right? So it's, it's yeah. interesting. Um, especially as like you were saying, Curse Dragon, you know, very well positioned. The better White Aggro, or the better that White does. But at the same time, that makes Nomen Guard better. So it's you know maybe we're just kind of rotating around, and that's just kind of the world that we're looking at going into. Yeah, no, I mean I I totally agree, and like the whole you you I touched on that red deck that the whole power boost thing with the whip. That's something that I didn't see right away, and then the more that I looked at his deck list. I was like, wow, this is actually crazy. Like, you know, I never even thought about that. And, uh, you know, to play that card defensively, like, I I felt like that deck was crazy. And even if you get flood streamed, it's like you have coal main. You know, I think he only had two coal mains. I might have maybe wanted to see a third. But, you know, you have coal main to be like, okay, you flood streamed me, but now I'm, I'm just drawing three cards a turn. And it's, you know, how do you come back from that? And, uh, you know, I was, I was glad to see him in the top cut. Uh, I know that he lost in the top eight to Matt, who got second overall. Um, but that that deck was cool. Um, so for me, you know, some people's story out of this event might be, hey, Purple 1, it's Tier 1, you know, whatever. But for me, I think the biggest story is the dominance of white more than anything else. 
Um, that was really unexpected. And then I think that red deck was kind of unexpected too. And I think if someone tweaks that just a little bit, that that deck is actually, I think, super terrifying for the Pro Tour and even moving into Worlds um, just because it has answers to all the anti-aggro stuff. So we'll have to see how the meta really pans out. Yeah. To that end, right control, Don, bomb or no bomb? You you have to play bomb somewhere. Right? I mean, I I know that I've talked to, to uh, Matt about this too in, in a Discord, but but like it was insane to me that bomb wasn't in that sixty card somewhere. I'm not hating on not playing it main. Like that's a meta call, fine. Like it worked, but to not have it in your side at all, that's like, bruh. Like you got to find room for that just as a catch all. Um, you know, you can argue that uh, the the avalanches are better in some spots, but like you're never going to convince me that no dream bomb white is, you know, is correct. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's the notion that it's a catch all, right? Like, mm -hmm. like yep. it's like it's the fact that you're in color for an oh shit button, and that is yeah. very hard for me to like completely cut off the table. Oh, there are some places in which, like, fine, maybe you side them, but to say no altogether, I feel like is, you know, very, like, expecting very specific matchups throughout your entire tournament. Yeah. No, you know, like I said, like, I'm I'm not hating on them for not playing at main, like, you know, whatever. I don't think I would do that, but, hey, you know, it worked for them. But still, my biggest gripe was just, like, bro, that's not even in your deck at all. And it's, like, as you saw in the finals, like, you know, no matter how hard Tom tried to throw, like Matt just didn't have any answers for, you know, the Maduke. If if Matt just has one answer, then I think he wins. Um, right. So, you know, it's, it's how it worked out. Of course, Matt did very well, got second place. It's hard to uh, complain about that. Um, but yeah, but there was what two white control decks in the top four, and then what one red and one purple. So, you know, I I think that's pretty expected for what the breakdown was um so that was a pretty solid top four i i think even the top eight was pretty accurate um based on the the uh you know total meta breakdown for the event the only thing that, that was kind of a surprise is that there was only one green deck out of like 25 or 27 green decks being played there was only one of them that made top 16 so and i think that's like a, probably the second biggest story is the underperformance both green and yellow Right? And it's just like, yeah. and it's just like, you know, so first we can talk about green. Um, and I think it's just at this point, people have come to, and I don't even think it's wrong, but like, we're at a point now where you can maybe like happily like disrespect green gale and like it actually turns out that it's fine. Um, mm -hmm. you know, red can incidentally slow it down by just killing his next best. Everyone's running dream bomb anyway, so you can stall off the fang for longer. And then turns out that if you just, you know, kill green, they don't have that many great defense options until you give them so long that they're set up and then they're. Um, I think part of that also might be that some people are kind of straying away from like the Beldegor scope package, which gave them that like really strong defense, but you kind of deal with cause a little bit better. But that's that one, and especially yellow, because like like Cause said, you know, decks are running vanillas just to deal with yellow. Do we even need to bother? I'm not even sure we need to anymore, right? Um, yeah. But then, but then the question is like, why? Genbu's still actually insane, you know, and the yellow can just draw, you know, five six cards a turn depending on everything's right. So it's why isn't yellow? I don't know if I don't know if you guys ended up having yellow on stream and it kind of gave a of that. Yeah, or... 
we had a couple yellow, but like by the time we got to the later rounds, all the yellows were getting pounded, so we didn't even find a yellow towards the top to even feature. But uh, that was the problem with green, too. People kept asking, like, hey, can you feature Gale? I'm like, bro, I can't. Like, there aren't any. But, uh, you know, it's like, I think the main issue with, with yellow right now is that all these other decks in the format are evolving. Like, white's evolving. Like, red's even evolving. The yellow is just not right. It's it's the same they list can't. as it was like a whole. Yeah, right. It's the same <laughs> list as it was like a month ago, and uh, so all these other decks were like eight to ten cards different to mold into what the meta's doing. And yellow is like, hey, I can't do anything. I'm still the same deck, and it's like that's that's huge. Like I think yellow can evolve to a certain extent. Like you could play more like flagellums in your deck. Like that would help a lot. Um, but everyone's just like, nah, just playing eight blast four Genbu, let's go. And uh, like, I just don't think you can. So for me, it's like the big winners of of this event are like obviously white decks. Uh, uh, purple is a big winner. Uh, I still don't think purple is anywhere near tier one, but uh, it did show that it is a playable deck. Um, it only has the most finalist placings out of all other colors we've seen, but you know, uh, no big deal. Stop. I'm just saying that three final uh, appearances by purple. Stop. No other color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so big winners is like yeah, white control. Has a 100% version yeah. Right now. Hey man, purple, we've, we've, we've I guess. Coleman. People are going to be getting the cold train here pretty soon. You know, biggest losers is obviously yellow and gale. Um, and then red, I don't think red's a winner or a loser from, from this event. I think it finished exactly where it should have. I mean, uh, I agree. there was, it, it was the most played deck. It, it had pretty much the most top cut finishes. I think that, well, white actually had six. I think red only had five, but if you go down to top 32, I think there was even more red. Red was all over the top tables when we were trying to find features. So, you know, red, I don't want to call it a winner or a loser because I think it did exactly what people thought it was going to do. But, you know, yellow and green, pff, terrible. And then, of course, white socks way up. Yeah. So it's, it'll be interesting to see. I think I saw some yellow players try, like, Home Guard Enterprise to just try to hedge against, like, bad matchups. But in, it, it almost feels like, again, you're evolving in a way to try to, like, prevent your, like, already auto-lose matchups in a way that I don't even matters. Because, like, to get to Enterprise and Nomen Guard, you need to yellow stuff anyways and like let's say you're trying to go up against red red prevents actually doing so does it really matter i don't know um so it's, it's kind of tough to tell and just you know, as we pivot towards talking towards the pro tour kind of like what people are going to take and to be fair you know i think the 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 tight timelines make it so that not a lot of people are going to have that time to pivot right like anyone who got their invited atlanta or like is just like or, or took a deck to atlanta odds are for a lot of players who maybe, you know, don't have testing teams or they don't have like every deck under the sun because they don't have a master place or whatever realistically they're going to be taking the same thing so there's going to be that very interesting you know you probably that the pro tour is going to be a large percentage of players kind of having run the same thing as they did at atlanta or just kind of run the same thing they're going to run anyway because not that enough time between events kind of pivot to something new then you have this pocket of like maybe 20 or so players who are on dedicated teams are testing try to change um, it'll be very interesting to see kind of how the pivots happen, if any, going into the Pro Tour. Um, now that we have a better purview, they're like, yo, white's pretty legit. Now it's like, okay, now we have to consider, you know, how do we deal with Nomen Guard, Enterprise, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, that's 
that that's a really good point uh, because my group, for for example, I think they were pretty set on what to play for the Pro Tour, and it's you know it's different from what they played in Atlanta. But after you see these results in Atlanta, it's like, well, I mean, oh shit, now there's a lot more white than we expected. So it's like, now what do we do, right? So, um, you know, I I think white might be the most played deck at the Pro Tour now. Um, you know, maybe that's kind of overreacting to Atlanta, but I mean, it has been trending that way for a few events now. It's been having an insane conversion rate. Um, it's being built like five different ways. Um, so it's not just one build. So, so are you I, talking about purple or white? I'm not actually sure because that actually tracks for uh, purple. <laughs> <laughs> I I would be willing to bet that purple won't even make a top eight at the Pro Tour. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Yeah. I mean, I I I think white is definitely on the up. Um, so I don't know that that's my bet that white will be very prevalent and have very, very good results at the pro tour. Um, I don't even know what version of white, cause there's so many of them, but like, I think that'll be the best. Well, yeah, it's to funny, John, right? It's just, go ahead. I'll say to John's point as well, you know, memes aside, I think the biggest thing that, uh, you know, looking at, cause I actually went through, did all the meta analysis. If you saw on Twitter, I did the whole like, Hey, what's every archetype for set three. It's been super interesting to see that we've had three very distinctly different pivot points in this meta so far. And it's clearly not done. I would not be surprised at all if we take like Atlanta plus Pro Tour again. They're just too close, kind of being that their own uh, turning point. And then by the time Worlds comes around, because we'll have even more time to test, people might finally have like TP promos and stuff. I would not be shocked at all if we see another, you know, not huge shakeup, at least see some other decks make an appearance uh, in Worlds as well. So it's been a really fun format to see how far we've come in a relatively short time and still have a little bit more to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think we're in a position now where it actually might be the worst possible position to be a mid-range, right? And in the sense that, like, you're now in a place in the meta where, you know, the, the go big white decks are doing really well, which also incentivizes aggro decks to come out to kind of like punish people for going into those decks. Unfortunately, now, as a mid-range deck, you're stuck there, which, like, don't get me wrong, as the mid-range deck, you're in a good position to have answers for both, because you can kind of balance between the two, but it's like, where do I tech more against, right? Do I keep my cards that do absolutely nothing against the go-big decks, or do I keep my cards that do, that'll never get to play because I'm being aggroed out? So it's this, it's this weird position, it's like, what is the solution to kind of be, you know, deal with both? Um, and then where do you go from there? And I think, you know, uh, blue red does that really really well but i'm not going to go behind blue red at all at this point <laughs> as, as much as i think it's good i think it's going to be very interesting to see if anyone finds a solution for that because we are four days away um yeah from the uh from the pro tour which i think doesn't give a lot of people answers but does set the stage for worlds right these are things to think about for worlds there's an argument to be made that uh, fortunately the pro tour might not have given people enough time but who knows what ends up at the top eight then that's gonna be you know Analysts aside, which I don't think any of us expect them to do that unless for some reason they change things up worlds, will very much just be like, okay, this is what the last thing we saw, and now here's the month coming down for worlds, and yeah, all players can manage from there and kind of what goes. Yeah, dude, like like red players are in shambles right now because like <laughs> it, it like like I still think it's a very, very good deck, maybe still the best deck, but but like with all these white decks popping up now, like you can handle the white 
like aggro stuff and the white mid range stuff, but these white uh, control decks, that's like your worst nightmare. And if, if those are very popular at the pro tour, like I would expect, like you just can't play red, right? Because you know, you can't win the event, uh, you know, unless you get really lucky and win the Swiss lottery, but like, I don't, that's just like the odds are stacked against you. So yeah, we'll have to see what happens with the pro tour here in just a few days, but I would be very surprised if, if, if red won. And I think this is the first event in the history of battle spirits where I'm going against red. Like I, I just don't see it happening for this one. I yeah. will say, I think it goes back to Brad's list. Maybe that had like charge draws for the plus two K. Yeah. Um, and then you have like Apollo who can suddenly hit 10 and then like you're two for wanting white, but then you're giving the, the elephant triggers. But at the end of the day, white is pretty spirit light, all things considered, because they want to be so defensive with your infinity shields and suppressions that there is just a removal out there at some capacity, yeah. but can red punch back and forth enough to get through that wall still and ha giving them multiple elephant triggers? I'm not sure, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if someone tries and you know relies on either charge draw, my meme favorite again, Ruby Radiance, or you know any of the other plus two Ks to give you that last little boost you need. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's a good point. I mean, because you know, speaking of red, like at in Atlanta, there was what five red decks in the top cut, but three of them were Alex, Daniel, and Colin. So, like, you know, those players are just going to always overperform, kind of regardless. But you know, if if you take them out, maybe Red's conversion it isn't as good anymore. So that's something to consider as well for the Pro Tour. I, I just, yeah. you know, you know, we'll we'll see. You know, my my prediction is that White Control will win. Uh, how do you counter that? Maybe you play a deck like Causes with the uh, Curse Dragon stuff. Um, you know, I I don't think straight purple is the answer i think you just kind of play some sort of like three color control deck with curse dragon or something uh so i'm just interested what what people are uh, gonna play even coliseum golem i mean i know it's it's a meme like we can meme on it some but that card's actually probably pr pretty good if the meta is just a bunch of white control so that's yeah, always I mean, something dumping out a bunch of free tanks as well ADs. yeah so yeah yeah we'll see yeah, I think uh, I think it leads itself to a lot of different look at, um, especially since it's a, we'll see, and I'm excited to see you, know, you casted cause um, alongside the Magic Arcanum guys. Uh, you know, I I think uh, I think they're going to do a great job, especially as they're kind of a little bit on the lore, and you know, hopefully we kind of see a couple things keep everything exciting. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, so, uh, in that same realm of like talking about the guys who know the lore and stuff, we do actually have some BSS04 leaks. So, before we jump into that, though, uh, we'll do what's that card art? Um, this time around, I'm a little bit nicer to you guys. Um, I pulled something decently uh, meta. Um, but, you know, again, it's referred to as a, you know, we only talk about part of the name. So, let's get it. This time around, I believe it's John's turn to go first, which may be to his advantage here. So, you shall see again oh, no. to our. Uh, listeners, uh, I show them the art of a card and uh, any side properties that they may want. And then based on that, uh, our apostles here guess the card uh, that we are showcasing. So, Cool. I it. know the It's Black Screen of Death. Yeah. Uh, this, because I'm on a solo monitor now, I decided to fade it out before. 
<laughs> now I'm actually able to showcase it. So change that in fade. Come through. There we go. So John. Man. What is Curse this Dragon? Card <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, you're... <laughs> and, uh, okay, so Gosh, darn it. God. I we're probably gonna get so much shit for this, but for those who are listening and not watching, it's it's Curse Dragon. Um, so there's your spoiler. Um, but <laughs> however, the full name is like uh is it like Imperial something? No, Infernal. Infernal something curse dragon. Dread, Dread Infernal. I, I, I think I know it, but I'm gonna let's see what of his guess yeah, let's, is. Let's 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 John Cook. Yeah. Which is worse so. because I literally played this all weekend, casted it for <laughs> yeah. nine rounds, and do not not 100 sure I know the name. Oh man, it's so funny because like, of course, I did casting for the event, and like four people played it. Uh, <laughs> in Infernal King Curse Dragon. God damn. Is that it. what you're going with? Yes. It is. Final answer. Infernal yeah. King Curse Dragon. <laughs> yes. Uh, Finally boo. got one. Boo. Uh, <laughs> but it's it just it just goes to show such an iconic card like this and we're still sitting here being like, "Hold up." <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like, "Hold on. Uh, I think we can God. get there." <laughs> uh, so, it, good to know that I'll be able to continue reaching out. Uh, into other cards and uh, maybe <laughs> still catch you guys <laughs> on the updrift there. But actually, in a in a you almost uh, did, almost, no, almost. I'm, I'm saying you, you almost got me. <laughs> um, so you know, in the in the same vein, Curse Dragon pivoting onto kind of the BSSO four stuff. Uh, we know that Nova is slated to come back in BSSO four in some way, shape, or form. Um, and if you read the lore, it's actually by using the bits of the Era Void Lord, which actually gives us a showcase. Stories have gotten or will be getting. A magazine shortly showcasing and talking about BSS. There's whole articles and stuff like that. Um, and in that, we actually got our first looks into kind of some pieces of art here. Um, so we have this like Nova fused with Era, and this thing looks sick. Like, I, yeah. it, you know, not the biggest lore guy, but I try to keep up with it. And, you know, just seeing this already has me pretty jazzed for what we're going to see, especially when we know like double symbols are coming like this. This is super cool. And when you blend that in with like the Ava stuff where we know we're going to get like uh, uh, core core cards that are thematic to Evangelion as well, I think Seth 4 is probably lining up to be a pretty big. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because like I think the three of us, we kind of fall on all different ends of the spectrum as far as lore goes, right? Like I couldn't care less about lore. You can't ever like even convince me to care <laughs> and like cause is like all right laura's pretty cool and then george is just like eh you know laura's cool sometimes but you know who cares and it's just like you know it's just so funny how that uh, works out but we can all agree that this art is insane like it's it's like here's nova's top half here's his bottom half and it's fused together by like the soul core or whatever like that's super cool so yeah, so I th I think so, it's, it's looking really good, and then I guess you know, cause you probably have the best background info in terms of like. Yeah, I was gonna say, just let me rant for a second here, really, it. really quick. So, uh, what's super interesting about this is on the cover of the magazine, we also got the name. So the full name is Rage Star Dragon Seagworm Ira, 
So what's super interesting about this is that it is literally not Nova, but we know that Nova is coming back during uh, sometime in set four due to the distributor information. In set three lore, we know that Tokiwa's main mission was to revive Nova to be one of the four sages to basically lead the new realm as they were falling apart through the Star Heaven Ukraine and the aquatic invasion, all that stuff. So what this really does beg the question is we know that they were having to go to the realm of gloom to resurrect Nova using the body of Ira, the first Void Lord defeated, uh, and the soul of Nova was being carried along through the, through the realm of forest uh, denizens, as it were. I forgot who had the, or no, his brother had the soul, right? The meteor worm, if I remember correctly. So this begs a question of what the hell happened during the ritual because something went terribly wrong to have this be the outcome of it um and we did see one of the flavor text uh of the cards that were previewed as well that now this uh again ira being rage the this seagram is now filled with so much rage that the star dragons have to keep it in line so this is very much like the hey we have to revive the hero and oopsies we made the villain but again where did Nova's soul go? Like, where is the other part of Nova in all of this? So, of course, that will be revealed in the cards themselves as Alora's story goes on. But uh, again, to see like Ira's like, you know, center core of it and like the tearing apart and the rebuilding of the flesh. And you can actually see like the muscular uh, tissues on the like the the card art is just sick. So I'm really curious to see what this uh, ends up doing. We know that it is going to be a high cost to descend spirit. But that's it. So we'll have to look forward to more spoilers uh, soon, TM, about so, it. So my favorite part about all of that just now is just you reading the lore and that deep voice. And <laughs> I, I, just want, I just want more of it. Just keep reading lore to me. But that, uh, yeah, but this this art is sick, you know, like you said. I, I love it, you know. Mm. But I think... Once this magazine comes out, like, isn't it on on the cover? I don't know if, if we have like a spoiler of the cover or not, but like, I think we can kind of see this card's cost from from the cover as well. But it's so small. I don't know. Someone would have to like really enhance it. I had a friend take like the like it was a 400 megabyte file that he sent me, like the highest scan possible mm -hmm. that he could. And the booster pack is just so perfectly covering what number it was. Is it? OK, you can only see five of the six reductions. So it's cutting off the sixth reduction plus the cost. But yeah, the, the level one for one core is 5K, which if I remember red math, that means it's a at minimum a seven drop. So I assume it's another eight drop. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's cool though. Yeah. Um, so we're getting more of that. I think it's also very on theme. Like, you know, we're going to get Ava alt arts. Um, inevitably, this card is probably going to get an Ava alt art. And it's very, you know, like the same body and all that, whether they go with the angels route or whatever they go really really cool um, yeah i'm down i mean yeah, you know and... there, there's there's something to say about not having enough waifus in our game but if we if our game keeps looking cool like this which hey i mean based on spr art and pro tour art the game's capable of dishing out some really cool cards yeah and then finally after four sets uh spoiler alert we're getting court like new promo core cards well not promo per se but just different core cards mm -hmm. with the eva stuff so that's that's pretty cool too. Yeah. And shout out to the purple cores in set one and the first collab set that is will be launching in June with the starters. So very excited for new custom cores as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. I and I I have to I have to pat my own back. I think I am this close from getting cost use core cards. Um so for those who didn't know at Atlanta in round six onwards. Nice. Um, well, I... unfortunately, unfortunately we're at an atrium. 
which was like super sick. Honestly, one of the nicest venues I've ever played card games in. But there was the, by the time we got to six o'clock, it got dark, and unfortunately, the lights that were meant to be bright and are uh, were lit up weren't LEDs. They were like these kind of dim lights. So like everyone was playing at a candlelight dinner, and like now, Cause can barely see his cores in the playmat. And I'm telling him, I'm like, Cause, I can give you core cards if it makes it if it's more visible. If you don't have to worry about it. You can't see Not your happy. blue cores on your blue playmat. <laughs> so you know, just yeah. one more tick on the on the box for core card supremacy. Core cards are they're they're inferior, superior. Definitely not inferior. They're, they're, they're <laughs> you the might way get me when we finally have the Eva stuff. That's what I might swap. I switched to core cards uh, for I think the first Pro Tour was the first time I used them, and I have not looked back since. It's just they're just so much cleaner to use. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, the players who tell me, you know, because they're like, oh, why don't you like cores? Aside from the fact that they fall down, because that never happens. And, like, the amount of walking around and watching people pick up cores I do mid-round, as cap. Y'all don't, y'all don't pay enough attention yeah. to, the, to the things Look, you guys the I, you guys. Call. I will tell you right now, just straight face, that if every person on stream used core cards instead of the cores, there wouldn't have been any of the issues that, that popped up. True. Because there were, like, I, I think there were, like, two or three different issues like one time, I think Tom, the winner, underpaid for Maduke. It would have been so much easier to see with core cards. And uh, Stephen Brown, I think on two different occasions, was making some errors with cores. And again, would have been completely clear with core cards. So, like, I think that we should just, you know, make a motion that people should just <laughs> use core cards and call it a day. Yeah, for the betterment of the game, what do you think, Cos? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> like I said, you might get me at set four, but uh, not before. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, so with that said, lots of excitement leading into uh, the end of the week as we lead to the Pro Tour. Um, this time around, John, I think you're going to be taking a chillax back until Worlds now, I think is uh, my understanding of uh, kind of how involved you're going to get. Yeah. I'm going to play... Well, I am playing, but I'm not going to play at an event until uh, World. So I will be a spectator watching the stream and riling up Twitch chat for all of the Pro Tour. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me a pause on his toes. Um, and to that end, we'll have Cause over casting there. So give him your energy, guys, and make sure to keep up on socials for any uh, announcements and whatnot that may come through along that side. And I myself will be playing, hopefully, to a performance that is slightly better than my Atlanta Grand Open. <laughs> uh, so with that said, everybody, that is another week on the Church of Pantan podcast. May the cores be our saviors and catch you guys. Next week.